Our culture and our churches are often filled with conflict. Our feelings are strong and our fuses are short. As difficult as it is, we're called to put up with different personalities, different preferences, and different perspectives. Welcome to On Mission, the preaching ministry of Edgewood Baptist Church in Rock Island. When we gather together, we meet on 38th Street. And when we're scattered, we strive to live on mission all over the Quad Cities area. We're finishing up our One Another series with the second part of the message called Bearing with One Another. Here's our main idea. Because Jesus bears with us, we can bear with one another. Last week, we were challenged to put up and build up. Open your Bible to Romans 15 as we continue to learn some tools for bearing with one another. You know, it's always been easy for saints to get sideways with one another. In the late 1800s, there were two deacons in a small Baptist church in Mayfield, Kentucky. They didn't get along, and they always opposed each other in any decision the church made. So on one particular Sunday, one deacon put up a small wooden peg on the back wall for the preacher to hang his hat on. (laughs) The other deacon discovered the peg. He was outraged, and he left the church. As far as I know, this is a true story. The church split, and the new church was formed. Get this, here's the name of the new church. The Anti-Peg Baptist Church. Now, I can't prove that's a true story, but you can imagine it might be, right? So because Jesus bears with us, we can bear with one another. Secondly, build up. So not only put up, but Build up one another. That's right from verse 2. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. So when we bear with one another, we allow God to use us to help construct Christians. When we blast away, we willingly or unwillingly participate in the process of tearing them down. Notice, We're not just to endure people, we're to encourage people. How are you doing at that? Our aim is to be a disciple-making church where everyone is being discipled and everyone who has been discipled is discipling others. We want to be and create a culture where everyone is built up in their faith. And God is committed to building people up. And he's greatly grieved when we demolish what he has designed. Check out Isaiah 57, 14. Build up, build up, prepare the way. Remove every obstruction from my people's way. Here's a question. Are you a hindrance or a helper? God doesn't want obstacles to stand in the way of someone's growth. He longs for builders in the body of Christ. Are you a builder? 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. I like how Paul encourages the church at Thessalonica. He's like, okay, you guys are doing okay. You're already doing it, but do it more. 
Part of building others up is recognizing how we might irritate other people. Is there anything you're doing right now which annoys those around you? <laughs> well, I have a bad habit. I'm not sure I want to confess in front of everyone, but I told Beth I would, and she's like, really? So, so, so here you go. Here's one of my bad habits. So in our house, when Beth is looking for me, maybe she has a question or maybe we're getting ready to go somewhere, when she calls my name, I don't answer her. <laughs> and I know it bugs her. I make her come and find me wherever I am in the house. I did it when our girls were in the house as well. I know it bugs them. And I should change. Uh, this week, I did it again. So, so what is it that, that you're doing that you know bugs someone else? So if you know you're rubbing people the wrong way with something you're doing, then maybe you should change. I think Beth's glad I said that out loud because now I have to change. <laughs> so because Jesus bears with us, we can bear with one another. Number three, look up. Listen, we will only put up, if you try to do this on your own, you won't. If we put up and build up, the only way we can do that is if we look up. Verse three, for Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. As we fix our eyes on Jesus, we'll be reminded, right, that he didn't come to be served, but to what? Serve. That's why he came. He came to serve and give his life a ransom for many, Mark 10, 45. And here, Paul is quoting Psalm 69, 9 to show how Jesus embraced the insults of irritating people. He didn't please himself, and he took on the reproaches which were not his to bear, so good could come to others. So if you find yourself getting irritated and annoyed all the time, anyone? It's probably because you're not looking up enough. Matthew 17, 8 tells us what three of his disciples did. So I'm going to come back to the transfiguration. I read verse 17. Let me go back to verse 8 of Matthew 17. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. When we look to Jesus, we see him only. And it helps put all of our problems and the irritations we have with other people into perspective. Look up at Jesus and remember, he puts up with you and he bears with the person who's bugging you. When you lift your eyes and only see Jesus, you'll be less prone to see problems in other people. Greg Laurie, he's an evangelist in, uh, in California, uh, tweeted some advice this week. This is what he said. Before you get caught in the crazy cycle of hurt and forgiveness, try shifting your glance away from the one who hurt you and setting your eyes on the one who saved you. That's helpful. So because Jesus bears with us, we can, we must, we will bear with one another. Number four, grow up. 
If we're ever going to bear with the porcupine people in our lives, we need to take responsibility to grow in our faith. And we grow by daily spending time in scripture and joining a discipleship group or a growth group. Look at verse four. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might, what? Have hope. If you've lost hope and you're not in God's word, you're not going to find the hope you've lost. It's through the scriptures. That phrase, former days, what's that referring to? Well, it's referring to the Old Testament and the giving of instructions like the Ten Commandments, which will be our next sermon series that we're calling Written in Stone. The word endurance relates to how we deal with life's problems and people's weaknesses. So the Bible encourages us so that we're filled with hope. Hope that others will change. And more importantly, hope that we will change. So are you reading your Bible on a regular basis? That question isn't meant to cause guilt or shame. That question and your answer to that question will determine in large part whether or not you're going to grow and whether or not you're going to have hope in your life and whether or not you're going to be able to bear with annoying people in your life. Let me say it strongly. It's impossible to grow as a Christian if you're not allowing God's word to enter your life. 1 Peter 2.2 links our growth to our spiritual diet. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk of the word that by it, listen to the next part, you may grow up in your salvation. We begin to change when we soak ourselves in Scripture. So if you're looking for a place to start, perhaps you're having, you don't have, really have a plan on where to read, our April Bible reading plan will cover the books of Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. You can get to that on our website. There's also hard copies out at the two kiosks. Because Jesus bears with us, we can bear with one another. Number five, stand up. Since God bears with us, we must be willing to stand up with those who've fallen down or with those who are different from us. Look at verse five. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such, what? Harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. God's heart is for the church to be united and to stand together According to Acts 4.32, which says, Now the full number of those who believed, the full number were of one heart and soul. The full number, meaning everyone, was one heart, one soul, Acts 4.32. Now, I don't know if this has happened to you, but I've made the mistake of allowing my first impressions of people to keep me from being one in heart and mind with them. When Beth and I were involved in a previous 
church, it's actually a couple churches ago, we were involved in a ministry together with someone who rubbed us the wrong way. She seemed arrogant. She seemed stuck up, unapproachable. We wanted nothing to do with her. We're just like, we're going to pull back from that one. Yikes. Until we found out her background. Until we found out what she had come through in her childhood. And two things happened. We were rebuked and we were drawn to her. We became good friends with her and ministry partners and we ministered together for many years. Friend, is there anybody you've written off and you're just like, I don't like that person. Come on, you have. And it might be someone in this room. And maybe it's because the first impression bothered you. They did something, said something, and now you're kind of like pushed back from them. Let's cut some people slack and recognize we seldom have the whole story. God's heart for unity is found also in Zephaniah 3.9. He knows we're sinners, so he purifies us. And when we're cleansed, we can stand up and serve side by side. For at that time, I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech that all of them may call upon the name of the Lord and serve him with one accord. That's God's heart. Because Jesus bears with us, we can bear with one another. Finally, number six, speak up. The ultimate goal or the reason why. So if you're thinking, why should I bear with another Christian? Well, here it is. It's to bring glory to God. Notice verse six, that together, see the word together? You may with one voice do what? Glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That phrase, one voice, means with one accord. It's only possible when there's no contention or strife or when there is that we bear with it or we forgive when we've been wronged or we ask for forgiveness when we're the ones who have done the wrong. So when we allow other believers to bug us, our worship can be short-circuited. Our service will be splintered and we end up not bringing glory to God. So I wonder, what do people hear from a church where people are griping about each other? How, how can they learn about God's glory? Glory means weightiness. How do they hear about who God is, the sum total of all of his attributes, if you and I are not speaking up with one voice in order to make him look good to others? So when we stand up, we're to speak up in praise to the Lord. Nehemiah 9.5, stand up, Nehemiah says, and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. So do you want to learn to bear with others? If so, put up, build up, look up, grow up, stand up, and speak up. Well, let's transition to application. Number one, make a list of the people who bug you. Might be a long list, <laughs> After you finish, look through the names. Look for some common denominators. Are there some traits, some attitudes which annoy you? 
Ask God to help you see those people from his perspective. Number two, this will really help. Pray for the list of problem people for two weeks. Your relationship with people who irritate you will radically change if you pray for them by name for 14 days. You might not want to pray out loud if they can hear you. (laughs) Number three, ask God to change you. As hard as I might try, very seldom can I change someone else. Anybody experience that? Uh, The problem really is not other people. It's a little more personal. It's me. And I can ask God to do something about me. Number four, let go of grudges and forgive faults. Release your grip on a grudge or it will strangle you. The longer you hold on to it, the more it will hold on to you. Is there someone you haven't forgiven? It's time to let go of your grudges. Number five, restore a broken relationship. What one positive step can you take this week to mend a fractured friendship? Need to make a phone call, send a note, have coffee with someone. And finally, number six, perform an act of service. Watch this. Loving feelings tend to follow loving actions. Some of us wait for the feeling. You're like, I just don't feel it. Listen, you may be waiting a long time. I've been helped in this regard by a quote from C.S. Lewis. It's quite deep. Check it out. Do not waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you are behaving as if you love someone, you will presently come to love him. You know, during this time of year with birds coming back, I see robins reappearing. I remembered an article I wrote several years ago and I entitled it Rockin' Robin. I'm gonna end with this article. Thunk, splat, kapow, thwack. No, these are not crazy captions from a Batman fight scene. Our family first heard these sounds coming from one of our bedrooms when we lived in central Illinois. The noise was both eerie and irritating. Upon investigation, we discovered that it wasn't Batman, but his sidekick, Robin. Well, actually, it was just a Robin smashing into the window that I had just windexed. This went on for days, and I didn't think he'd ever stop attacking our window. He began early in the morning and continued until sundown. Now, wanting to make sure this Robin wasn't trying to get my attention like Edgar Allan Poe's Raven, I decided to think through some life lessons from the behavior of this red-bellied beast. But first, I did what I often do when I don't understand something. I googled the phrase Robin attack, (laughs) and I discovered some interesting facts. A Robin is very territorial. You say it for me. Thank you. And when he notices his reflection in a window, he gets agitated. He raises his feathers on his head. He assumes a dominant position. Well, normally, that's all it takes for other robins to fly away. They're like, we're out of here. Well, instead of leaving the territory, the reflected robin seems to get equally agitated and assumes the attack position. The first time this happens, the real robin goes to his favorite song perch. He starts singing. When he doesn't hear a responding song, he's more certain that he really is in his own territory. However, when the robin sees the reflection again, he goes ballistic, and so does the reflection. 
As the real robin flies toward the window, the reflected robin seems to attack as well, and the robin hits the glass. No matter how aggressive the robin gets, the reflection never goes away. And the robin won't let up either, thus explaining the incessant dysfunctional cycle of our bent-beaked feathered friend. Now, I see four lessons that you and I can apply to our lives. Number one, some of us are fighting imaginary battles as we invest our energy in aggressive outbursts against people who are not really our enemies anyway. <laughs> There's, that's not a Cardinal fan, is it? That's a come one there. Listen, we often attack in others what we don't like in ourselves. I wonder how many times we get upset with people precisely because they exhibit the same tendencies we have. Kapow. Number two, when we unload on others, we get distracted from our purpose in life. When a robin makes war on a window, he forgets to work on important tasks like making a nest, like finding food and singing songs. Likewise, when you and I enter into combative conflict with those around us, we stop singing and we disengage from what we've been designed to do. Thunk. Number three, fighting people not only hurts others, it hurts us as well. Perhaps you have a sour spirit as a result of what someone has done or said to you. Or maybe you're resentful to God, at God for what's happened in your life. Proverbs 14.10 says, each heart knows its own bitterness. If we could add up the bitterness here in this room, and those engaging online, we'd be stunned. So are you blinded by any bitterness right now? Do you have any unresolved anger toward your spouse, your kids, your parents, a boss, a church member, or a friend? Listen, when bitterness is allowed to breed, it will always lead to an offspring of antagonism which hurts those around you while destroying yourself in the process. It's like swallowing a bottle of poison and waiting for the other person to die. And when you and I allow bitterness over the hurts and slights and pains of life to control us, we begin to die a slow death. Thwack. Number four, some of us are caught in a cycle of self-destruction. If our rock and robin didn't surrender soon, he'd eventually harm himself. Do you ever feel like you're caught in a cycle of sin? These unholy habits? If you continue in this course, the consequences could have eternal implications. Brothers and sisters, there's a way out. Jesus can break your bondage and set you free from your sins. He put it this way, John 8, 36, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Don't allow your hurts to turn into hate. You can become bitter or you can get better. The choice is yours. Put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Savior and determine to follow him as your king. Now, I didn't know how much longer our renegade Robin would attack our window. But I hoped he'd eventually go back to helping around the nest and singing to Mrs. Robin. What about you? Are you ready to do what you're designed to do? Instead of smacking into your own reflection, with God's help, you can soar above the irritations of life.
Isaiah 40, verse 31, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not be faint. Thanks for joining us for On Mission. If you'd like to hear more messages like this one, go to edgewoodbaptist.net or download our free mobile app on the Apple App Store or Google Play by searching for Edgewood QC. If you don't have a church family, we'd love to have you as a guest at one of Edgewood's three weekend services, Saturday at 5 or Sunday at 9 or 1045. We have a full children's program during both Sunday services. My name is Matt Williams, and I'm a member of Edgewood. Ethan Curry, also an Edgewood member, is serving as the producer of this program. We look forward to connecting with you again next weekend as we learn more about how to live on mission. Until then, go deep in God's Word and keep applying it to your world. On Mission is furnished by Edgewood Baptist in Rock Island, Illinois.